0: Now entering the Bitcoin Podcast Network.
1: Welcome to Buy or Sell What
2: the Hell with Jason Jenkins, Alex Z, and D. J.J. began his career at Charles Schwab as a trader in the equity options markets before moving to the sell side to trade fixed income at V Finance, Financial, and CG Capital. With over a decade of experience in trading U.S. Treasuries and building out institutional analysis, he covered all the primary dealers, large buy-side money managers, and hedge funds. And now, he's applying his expertise to the cryptocurrency markets. Do you buy or do you sell?
3: Okay, welcome back to hey, another edition of Buy or Sell. Oh, what the hell. I'm your host, Jason Jenkins. I'm here with the usual crew, and in addition, today we're going to be uh, having some legal talk with my lawyer, Phil. Phil, I'll, I'll let you introduce yourself in a second. Dimitri, Alec. Hey, everybody. You guys. You guys hey, <laughs> so I've just got back from Colorado and um was there all weekend and not a whole lot of news over the weekend. I guess Phil had some um some legal news he wanted to touch on. But today we you know we can talk a little bit of trading, we can talk a little bit about the markets, but we really kind of wanted to focus this um this this session about some of the legal topics. You know, we all know that there is a lot of gray area um and trying to navigate that in addition to you know, trying to run a business and stay creative and innovative isn't isn't always what the entrepreneurs wanna do to uh slow down and you know, have to <coughs> navigate uh what we can and can't do and from a regula- regulatory standpoint. But Phil's Phil, you I'll I'll let you introduce yourself. You've been in the business and blockchain for Josh probably one of the earliest as far as, you know, actually dealing in the space. And, um, obviously that's why we, we we work together now. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead and introduce yourself.
4: Yeah. For, so Phil Frenaro, Fernaro law. Uh, we've got a firm out in LaGrange and Hinsdale, Illinois, but we, uh, obviously because we're in the space, we're all over the country, uh, internationally as well. So we're, it's kind of an interesting phenomenon is that, if you think you're going to be a localized attorney within the space, uh, you know you got another thing coming. Uh, you got to be very careful in terms of who you're dealing with because we're 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 now talking to people all over the world. So we got involved in the space back in June of 2016, where one of my clients came in and said, "Hey, you know, what do you think about Bitcoin?" And I said, "I I don't even know what you're talking about," and you know. I, I got I got real excited about it uh, after I started reading reading some of the documents. Uh, I think I fell asleep uh, reading Bitcoin documents for a year straight. So I would go on to various websites and uh, you know, really got involved there. What we realized is is that because our practice is so diversified, every single thing that we do normally for our non-crypto clients applied very, very, well to our 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 now crypto clients and most of the attorneys that come in say hey you know we don't want to touch that but you know we're saying hey we we absolutely want to touch it and we want to be involved
3: yeah dimitri like you're saying a lot of a lot of people kind of running from the space when that's probably the opposite of what they should be doing um and phil you've kind of taken on that role and uh yeah. Yeah, to meet you, what what
5: are some of the talking points that you guys had yeah, so want to hit on first? I think the first glaring thing um, that we should answer is if you invest or you operate in crypto, are you are you going to go to jail?
4: <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So, it it always follows the same pattern with uh with my client interviews and we have them almost every single day, three, four times a day, and that's the first question I'm glad you brought that up. So, the answer is Maybe, and it's the the issue is is probably no if you call your attorney right away, so to speak. And the space is available. The people are are all around the United States are are scared, but that's why you call an attorney, you call an accountant, and you you, you really discuss what you're doing. So each answer to the question, uh, each each question that they ask will be determinative of, of how we answer. And as long as you're compliant with the rules, you don't try to step outside the box and try to do something crazy. If it feels wrong to you, it probably is wrong. And the funny thing is, is there's a lot of ways to make money in the space without having to go crazy and and, and do something that's improper. So I've got a lot of clients making a lot of money in this mm-hmm. in the space and, and that's because they're trying to be compliant and there's opportunities galore.
5: Oh, I like to operate under the, uh, if it's not, yes. It's no, so if it's maybe. <laughs> that means you're not gonna go to jail. You just gotta yeah. be smart. Yeah, um, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. So then, so so taking that to the next step, right? If someone is operating uh, in crypto, uh, can they do it without an attorney? Can they do it without an accountant? Can they do it without these, you know, historically professional positions to aid them? Uh, I mean, probably the answer is yes, but should
4: they? Well, see, if, if I'm, I'm an attorney for 22 years operating with every level of client from the, the poorest to the poor to the richest to the rich. So the point is, is that those people, when they operate, they don't operate without attorneys. And we, be, we started sowing our oats for people that would uh, come into this, come into some area of the law and they would be making all sorts of mistakes. And I said, well, come to us first. Why wouldn't you come to us first? And we've trained our clients to come to us first talk to us, and then we can set parameters on how they can operate. Just like I don't file my own income taxes, especially if, you know, you saw what happened with the IRS. Uh, I think, what was it, 2016 and 17, Coinbase, uh, you know, had like a million customers and the accounting, uh, there was only 863 people that filed tax returns from 2016. So it's sort of, you know the IRS is coming, coming after them. So now what we're doing is in, in in creating a team of people to go to an accountant, to a bank, to an attorney, to investors, to developers. We all work together to make sure that everybody's safe. And I'm always mm-hmm. taking calls and helping them in that in that regard. But absolutely, you have to have professionals in everything that you do in the legal or accounting arena. Mm. You
5: guys heard it. Stop, stop rolling the dice. And just hire a professional, and not H and R Block or that lawyer bot on Facebook Messenger. Like an actual professional. Right, or
3: the the gorilla spinning the tax sign down on the corner in the gorilla suit. <laughs> <laughs> That's Alex's guy. Well, well, I think I think most of the, I know from the institutional standpoint. I mean you know, I I have my seven, my 63, uh, worked at broker dealers. And so I think most of the institutional community is trying to figure out, you know, are we going to classify a lot of this under more of the CFTC and do, if somebody wants to operate on the buy side, eventually do they need, are they going to need to be set up as a CTA, you know, commodity trading advisor? Um, I think for the, I think those are the institution questions, right? I mean, anytime we're also taking dollars into consideration when you're trying to move dollars into the marketplace, um, you know, you're gonna be you're gonna be bumping up against some of those money transmitting regulations, right, Phil?
4: Yeah, so that's the interesting part of, let's say, Canada versus the United States. So Canada took a different approach. They gave the sandbox and the parameters of regulation on how to operate there. What happened with the United States is they didn't. They let them, they let everyone play, you know, on the whole beach. You know, there's no sandbox. Hmm. And what happened in 2017 is, is that everybody made a whole lot of mistakes and and they were doing, there's fraudulent things going on and and understanding that, you know, the SEC is watching. They're not saying anything. Uh, We were at Mm -hmm. FinTank, what, in October. We asked the SEC, you know, several times the same question. You know, there's a representative there. uh, FinTank's a Chicago-based event. It's very, very popular here. We had one in February where I spoke to a bunch of attorneys. But what what happened is, is that the SEC then started going, commenting, you know, in late 2017 into 2018, and saying, well, this ICO doesn't comply, you know, that ICO doesn't comply, that SAFT agreement may not apply. So the point being is, is that we now finally have seen these comments come out. And as of a couple days ago, this is very timely, it wasn't planned, is is that Mm -hmm. the SEC issued 80 subpoenas to various you know, uh, ICOs, exchanges, you know, banks, et cetera, to see what's going on in the space. So they're paying attention now. So for the reason to remain compliant and seeing what they're looking at. And now moving forward, ICOs are gonna be available to, to run. We get into ICOs later, initial coin offerings, but they're available to operate, but it's gonna be a little bit more complicated, a lot more legal work, a lot more accounting work and uh and before we're doing these things the 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 fast and easy money's gone well
3: right because wasn't a telegram part of that they were they were running down that path of the SAFS. is that what you said that's safts
4: yeah so basically a saft is a reservation uh or a right and it's not necessarily fixed to crypto it's just in general in terms of investment uh, maybe in the VC and private equity uh, area—that's that's your area, mm-hmm. uh, Jason. But basically, it's a reservation saying when the token comes out, I can be part of that that token sale. So the question is—is is whether or not that that activity, or whether the SAFT agreement, uh, which is directed as one of the subpoenas, is to figure out whether the SAFT works. But it's not just copying and pasting a SAFT agreement from something used in another area it's looking at a SAFT agreement we don't have to call it that it's just a crypto ico agreement to create that agreement so that it is compliant with all the regulations that exist now so that's what they're looking at they're looking at some of the ones that have already been drafted and they say this one's bad and this one's good so that'll be clear clearer within the next month or so i would assume okay does that make sense so that think, your question
3: yeah i mean do you think that feels part of the reason why they kind of I thought I saw the headlines last week where Telegram's kind of backpedaled on what they wanted to do,
5: right?
4: Yeah, so Dimitri, the po- you stay up on yeah. that.
5: Um, the last I heard is they were going to try and restrict any money coming from the U.S. They were like, you have, you have to sign documentation, you have to fully prove, the, go through the KYC, AML KYC to show that you're from the U.S. Um, or. Like you can't, you you basically they're trying to put a bottleneck on the money coming from the U.S.
3: Well, then I but I think they've they've taken a step back even further where they're just trying to maybe even just raid, take through the whole thing privately. I mean, it seems like they're close to over a billion. <clears throat>
4: yeah, does yeah. Telegram?
3: That's does what it the, came like
4: to me. Does Telegram have a a project yet? I mean, I, I'm I'm still trying to figure that out. I mean, they've made these raises, and they're making another raise. You know, do they have a project? You know, I can't figure it out. Uh, <laughs> if it's not yes, it's no.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. The, <laughs> the, the white paper was nothing special. I don't know. I didn't see anything. I read through most of it. I mean, it was nothing new or exciting. Right. Um, I can only yeah. speculate that they
5: don't have a project, but they have a team. Um, there's, there's really. I haven't seen much of a product coming from them, but that doesn't, um, that's the general story of everything in this space right now. Um, yeah. You know, a lot of, not a lot of people do have Hell, One of the strongest projects in the space status is just now launching a mainnet, which means they've been operating in, I don't ever, I don't even know what comes before alpha. But they've been operating <laughs> yeah. in that for, since they've raised the billions that they've raised. So um, or the million hundreds of millions that they raised. So, you know, I I don't know.
4: And that's an important thing to discuss too, as you guys started talking about the foreign money and the, you know, the local money on top of that is, is that the SEC reaches out into foreign countries. So the, SEC has a task force that they just created that is following people's investments outside the United States just because we hear that all the time. And this is probably the most for your for your listeners. Uh, to me, Tricky, the most important thing is, is that I get a call almost every other day saying, hey, well, what, you know, can I invest uh, money with my cousin who lives in South Korea on a token I, can otherwise, I can't otherwise otherwise uh, invest in because I'm living in the United States and a U.S. citizen? And the answer is <laughs> no. <Yeah. laughs> why? Why would you do that? You know, plenty of opportunities here with projects like Jason has going on, and you know, other things that are that are available to for for investors.
5: Mm-hmm. That's a flat out no. You guys heard it. I hope, yes, that you're, oh. <laughs> I hope you're not trying to buy Zimbabwe token. It's, you're gonna have a bad day.
4: Yeah. You're very gonna, much I mean.
5: So. Um, all right. So. You you hinted on something in our discussions in the past week that lawyers are are running away from this space, um, so I guess this is a two part question: is like uh, why why are they doing that, and how can we prevent them from doing that? Because there's a, this community is full of people that don't know the law, and <laughs> we need just more people sprinkled in that do know the law. Because I don't think it's anybody's like first choice is like jail is something they want in their life. So yeah. like, why are they sprinting away and how do we prevent them from that?
4: Well it's just it's just like any anything else is is why do I want to get into something that I don't know? And it's so complicated, they think, and you know, you know, we I've got all this other stuff, I'm busy. Why do I want to learn something like, like a new area of the law? And I always say this is that. When email came out in the 90s and the internet came out in the 90s, I said, what do I need that for? I've got a fax machine, you know, that's, um, and I've got the mail, you know, I got my phone. Boy, was I an idiot, you know. And, and the, the, the most important thing, it took me four or five years to to adopt it. But then I said later on, I go, if this something like this ever happens again, I'm not missing it because I'm going to be an early adopter. But it's hard. I mean, lawyers are typically the last to adopt things you know, and, and, and they like the ways of the past. But now with the digital age, and what the internet showed us is, is that it's it's the way to go. But anyway, just the unknown, you know, and people, you know, you have to almost be entrepreneurial as an attorney to delve into something like that. So that's part of the first question. That's why I think people don't want to do it. Um, and the second thing is that I try to encourage people to do it. So I, I'm, you know, all about uh, the blockchain. I'm all about coin. You know, I, my, my favorite story, and I think uh, Jason heard this before, is, is that I was given a presentation uh, at my local meetup in LaGrange. And, you know, after the event, they said, you know, he goes, This is evolutionary. One of my friends there, and I go, I go, Hey, yeah, can I use that? That in my next speech when I talk to these 75 attorneys in February, he goes, He goes, Yeah, man, open source, you know? <laughs> so, I was happy to know that that we had a lot of opportunity to to do that and I'm all about it. This is how to answer your second part of your question. I will give information to lawyers whenever they call me. I will spend an hour with them. I will go and give speeches to talk to them because lawyers are the 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 the, the way that this blockchain and the community uh, the crypto community advances. without the attorneys, it's going to be left behind so, mm-hmm. The more the attorneys, the better. And, Dimitri, the other day someone called me and I said, hey, you know, you probably want to vet this issue out with somebody else. He goes, no, there is nobody else. We want to work with, with someone that understands yeah. the space. So if attorneys pay attention, then they can get grab some of these clients as well. And there is a lot of them looking for for, for counsel.
5: And you you mentioned that it's critical that we create these teams, uh, multidisciplinary teams, uh, professionals, bankers, investors. Um, How critical and what what, in your mind, what does that look like, Phil? Like a team of like Justice League. That's really that was cheesy. No, that was awesome. Can I use that? (laughs) (laughs) That was the cheesiest thing I've said in months. Go on, sure. It? Open source, go Open for
4: source, it. Open source, baby. Thank you. Thank you. But,
5: <laughs> but anyways, what does this team look like?
4: So it, it looks like your your podcast having a, a, a an ability for people to give give back uh, to the community in this way, giving them all the information possible. Definitely an accountant. Definitely uh, in, investors. Definitely in each one of the industries. So now we deal, we have miners that we represent, we have kiosk ATMs that we represent, trading companies, you know, it's all sort of professionals. And what do people do with this money? They have to invest it once they get it. What do I, this is, this is my favorite thing. It's almost like, uh, you know, mat, match.com is, is that if you have a mining company that, uh, creates coin but doesn't have cash, and you have an ATM company that has cash but no coin. You know, you make that blend, you make the connection, you make the network between a variety of people. So, the biggest thing we can do is create a large network and trans transfer the information through forums such as this.
3: Mm-hmm. That's a great point. That's so true. And when you were mentioning accountant, sir Phil. I see one of the things we're going to have to get, kind of get our heads around and that the space is going to have to solve is, I mean, if we get Starbucks allowing for you to pay in Bitcoin, or definitely some of these merchant services, how I don't know, how how are we going to keep track of all these little transactions? And it seems like the IRS wants to run everything on the short-term capital gain stud. But I see that as one of the next hurdles for at least the merchant services is is okay. If I, you know, if I bought a bunch of Bitcoin at 12,000, here we are today still, you know, inside of 11,000 and I'm, and I go down and I make some purchases at Starbucks and then I make an ATM withdrawal. And then I go and I, you know, I use it somewhere else on the internet or Amazon comes on board with Bitcoin. You're going to have so many of these little transactions. I don't know how, I don't think they're gonna be able to fall just under short term capital gains and treat it like I'm buying and selling Apple and then I'm turning around pulling the cash out and you know, going down the street to Starbucks.
4: Yeah, it's uh it's an outstanding point and it's it's you gotta sort of separate it. So the accountants are key, but the software and the artificial intelligence is more key in terms of how mm-hmm. we structure it. So they'll have, you know, they have ledger programs out there already that we're investigating, even when we're dabbling a little bit into it as well, you know, mm-hmm. is you got to keep good records of it and then you got to separate it and you've got to keep with your accountant. And, you know, I'm not an accountant, so I can't speak to, you know, first in, first out, last in, first out or whatever the yeah. heck it is. But, but that's why those are critical questions that I can't answer on a moment's notice, but you know, my accountant is full now. I've given them so many crypto clients. We need more accountants, you know, and that's, that's the discussion. Maybe that's, that will be a great one, uh, uh, a great podcast in the future. So, uh, you know, we can hear what they have to say. I mean, it's, it's definitely a problem. Microtransactions don't fit with the model that the IRS has created.
5: Yeah. No, that's true. To me, if I mean, I think you're go ahead. Go ahead, D. (laughs) I just think that, uh,
3: I think that is the the solution there, Phil, is we just got to have the computers handle it. I mean, you sh- I, I see a future where you're on your phone and you're kind of standing in line and you want to I'll just use the Starbucks as an example and it's like, "All right, I'm I'm long a bunch of dash. I'm long a bunch of this new coin I just bought. Maybe it's Enigma." And man, I've, you know, I'm long my typical Ethereum that I've had for years and years and it's it's a choice of, "Okay, Do I want to take some profits on my Ethereum or, you know, this, this, this new coin I just bought, I look at it on my phone and say, uh, you know, I'm, I'm too long this, I'll just, you know, I'll sell some of that swap it to BTC. I don't know. I think the whole trading world is merging with the payment world and hopefully that this just the blockchain can handle it and the computers can do it.
5: Yeah, I don't no, think it's no. gonna be I don't think it's as much as hope as it that is that that world that you just thought of, JJ, is is happening and is mm-hmm. being built. I think what's important is to go back to what Phil is saying is that if nobody is building the model on how it should look, then it's mm-hmm. always just gonna be gray area and weird. Just like the, the model for the internet now is is in in stone for lack of a better phrase. It's not mm-hmm. so fuzzy anymore. Um it just takes that team of professionals to kind of build out how that's going to operate, instead of just like doing it. So yeah. I think that I think it's not we're not far from that. And When I say not far, maybe like five years. Five years isn't that long, but I mean the technology is already there. We're like shapeshift. Shapeshift is built into one, some some wallet services. So if you want to at the in a fraction of uh, I mean, not in a fraction of a second, but if, in less than a minute, if you have a bunch of BTC and you want Ether, you can just swap it real mm-hmm. quick and pay with the Ether. You know, so that technology seems, it's been around for, what, three years now? So it's, it's a matter well, of, then, go ahead. And then have, have you guys used any of these, these card payment systems that are
3: linked into like Coinbase? Coinbase, like I have my SIF card I got probably yep. last week. Alec, do you have one
0: of those? Or a 10X. No, I, I haven't bothered with any of those debit cards yet. I don't know. I sure do have a shift card. Seems kind of weird having cryptocurrencies and then
5: still Boy, relying on a debit card. It's it's definitely strapping horses to a Maserati.
1: Mm. Yeah,
4: <laughs> <laughs> I like that. But, so, but but that's a big point too. Now think about this for a second. That you brought that up. The, obviously, the exchange of coin. You know, this is more the reason why. To, and I'm an attorney, but talking about accounting. There's two two <laughs> things that popped in my brain. One, you have the situation where you've got to make sure that if you're trading from BTC to Ether, you know, on ShapeShift, you still have to have money at the end of the year to pay those taxes. You have to convert something into USD unless you're, you know, you're you're independently wealthy. The other thing with the debit card side, the other debit card, debit card side of things is, is that, if you, a perfect example is in Illinois, okay? I can be at uh, the Illinois Department of Regulation, uh, professional regulation came down with a request for comment, which Fernando Law commented on back in July of 2017 to discuss exactly what, um, what, what it should look like, what the regulation should look like in Illinois. So they came down after all the comments, there was like 20, 30 comments. And the regulation was that an ATM company that, is funded so I, I put Bitcoin in the machine but it's funded from my own private wallet and then it dispenses Bitcoin is not money transmission okay but if it comes if the coin funds the machine from coinbase then guess what it is money transmission and I have to get a money transmitter license in Illinois I don't see why that's different because federal law we comply with FinCEN Uh but state laws vary. We don't have a unified approach. So if I'm using my debit card from that's funded by Coinbase, did I suddenly become a tr- money transmitter? You know, That's something you have to think about when setting up companies that do that type of thing or at least get guidance from the regulatory body. Yeah. Hmm. Sorry about that. That was too legal, but it, it does. <laughs> no, no that's, it's that's it's the difficult. kind of
5: stuff that people want to hear. They want to hear those things so they know how to operate. I mean, there's not going to be – uh, there's definitely not going to be a drought of people trying to get into crypto in the next ever. I think, in my opinion, I'm a little biased, but oh, agreed. Um, they need to hear things like that. In fact, could you expand? Like, are there any very general like pros and cons or do's and don'ts? Like maybe three of each that you could just put out there to people on how they're operating, how they're building.
4: Yeah, so the first uh, do is to obviously contact people that you're smart that are smarter than you in the space, and it's me too. Okay, I don't. I guess that's a bad, bad, bad statement. Me too. It doesn't apply. But anyway, me, <laughs> me also. <laughs> I'm getting into the politics. Uh, so what I'm trying to do is, is that I'm always talking to my clients who are smarter than me in the areas that they're operating in, in all the use cases. So why wouldn't I talk to them? Am I ashamed to say I don't understand something? No. So that's what everyone should do is ask. Never feel like the answer or the question is a stupid one because you're going to get 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 the answer. You know, do, do your homework and talk to investment advisors, talk to people that understand crypto. On the other end, don't just invest in an ICO because it sounds cool chances are you shouldn't invest in ICOs until there's regulation available or until you have a team that is operating within the guidelines and regulations. And the best way to do it is to talk to, you know, their professionals. If they won't let you talk to their professionals or won't let you talk to the team or you're dealing solely through email, I know it's the old way to call, but if they won't let you talk to them, then maybe that's not the investment to to talk to, you know, an investment to talk to. So those are, you know, some of the do's and don'ts. I don't know. I didn't get three of each, but you know, that's the most important is communication and gaining knowledge.
5: Thank you, thank you yep. for that. You probably helped out a lot of people. You probably made a lot of people sad because there's a lot of people that invest <laughs> in tokens because they like the way their symbol looks. And yeah, you know. was, it was a catchy banner ad. <laughs> 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 oh, that's
4: another. That's another thing. Is is I I, I this is how I got involved. So. I, uh, in, in learning more about how the startup ICOs, so I'm not plugging any one of these, but they're good sources of information. Go dabble on WeFunder or c or, or or StartEngine. You know, StartEngine is more ICO-based startup companies, but then you'll understand, and they they disclose a lot of things, and I'm not, again, I'm not uh, advocating for any of them because I'm just starting mm-hmm. to learn them, but to learn the concept of a startup at the very beginning will help you understand what's going on in the ic world and it'll be little companies that pop up like i just uh, investigated a company called sick weather you know i think it was on seed invest and it really took me through the process of the micro crowdfunding investment so you can invest a hundred dollars in a crowdfunding option and Again, I'm not advocating for it, but I'm just saying you could you could invest as of the Job Act of 2016 allowed mm-hmm. non-accredited investors to invest in startups. That is the best starting place, even if you're dabbling mm. at 100 bucks to understand what's going on in the IC world before they delve into the into the into the uh, crazy wild west of ICOs. <clears throat> yeah, it's, that
3: is interesting. That's kind of where I started. I mean, I I remember when they came out with that in the Jobs Act and. It's because it was always a big thing for a small investor to, you know, you don't get access to the, the better deals that go through, the bigger VC firms or go through the old, Wall Street. You know, going through the big banks, etc. Phil, is that? Have you have you uh, been following that much? I mean, is that still? Is that still? Like I guess Is it in concrete for sure that? Um, the jobs act took care of that, or is it still kind of a gray area as far as the crowdfunding goes? I don't credit the investors being able to
4: Yeah, so I mean it's it's alive and well and you know, I I haven't heard anything. Obviously, we've been concentrating on the crypto side of things, but they're allowing, they're complying. So when I looked at the sick weather, for example, it had you know it had its form C, you know, for you know, filing onto the uh, onto the um, uh, exchange with the SEC. You have to send in your Form C. And it was all okay. And it, it looked like and it was not only is it uh, available, at one point I think that the crowdfunding side, the not accredited side, was beating investment on the accredited investor side. So I think that was an interesting phenomenon in terms of how it is. The only thing that's a little bit troubling there is, is that there really is no, uh, uh, what should I say? There's really no... Guidelines, other than your honesty in terms of whether or not I think it's a ten percent limited on non-credited investors of your uh, of your income, and, and don't quote me on that. But you have to only invest maybe ten percent of your income a year, and you know there's no real ability if you're operating between three or four different uh, 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 companies like We Funders, Seed Invest, Start Engine, to dictate whether you you complied with that. So you still have to be careful. It's not, it's not, Hey, just spend as much money as possible. It's, you know, go in slowly and understand it just like in the ICO world.
3: Yeah. And that's, that's, that was such a good thing that came out of the jobs act. I wasn't a big fan of majority of what was being pushed through there, but that was one that was like, wow, this is, this is good. This is liberating for a lot of smaller investors and, it, that was the idea, right? Well, why do I need to go raise big money from five individuals if I can go raise a little bit of money from five thousand people and use the internet? And then, and then here we are, combining crypto and,
5: you know, this is born the ICOs. Yep, technology doesn't stop <clears throat> moving. So, yeah, I mean, it's not going to stop moving. Just even if. You know, the people try to put the kibosh on certain tech. It's People are still going to build. People yeah. are still going to try to innovate and create. That's There's no
0: no stopping that. So. so is there any way we can help to ensure that, you know, good policy and laws are established in the states? Is it more self-regulation or what What do you think the community can do to...
4: Yeah, so that's a... That's a it's an enormous question and it's it's very very it it brings us back to the law and you guys and everybody is is that to get involved so i i I call the illinois has a a bitcoin subcommittee where they created a task force and it Mm -hmm. came out in a newspaper they're busy trying to figure out they put a nice little uh task force document together it's pretty impressed illinois always is the last (laughs) the last group of uh a government to do anything right and they usually do everything wrong so they did a lot of things right in, in in the crypto space so hopefully they won't screw it up so as part of the thing that Alec just said is is that I'm pressing them I called the the state representative and I'm going to try to get on that task force and try to advocate for what we're seeing in the space I want to portray my knowledge to the state of Illinois so that they're not operating you know in, in a vacuum you yep. know, are, they haven't yet got involved. There's a uniform uh, act that's going on to sort of simplify this thing out west. Six or seven uh, states, uh, uh, the name escapes me, the Uniform Something Act. But anyway, Illinois is not involved in that. But I want to get involved in that. Similar to the – I'm trying to get involved, you know, on on the Illinois Banking uh, Association here too because the banks are really sort of preventing a lot of the businesses from flourishing. So that's mm-hmm. that's that's the biggest way. Also contacting the SEC, giving them ideas, you know, communicating, making sure that we're all educated as it relates relates to that as well.
5: Bankers don't try hard to not fulfill the stereotypes surrounded by their industry. I've noticed that. Like they just, they fully buy in sometimes. Like they're kind of restrictive. They don't really listen to their customers. I don't know. Every one of them looks like the monopoly man to me. I don't know why it's just they don't i feel like they're not working with anybody technology like across the board to help anything so i don't know
4: yeah and i and i've seen that a lot too and part of the reason why and what i've I've talked to lots and lots of bankers because that's after the going in jail question that you said at the beginning the next question is you know accounting the third question is do you have a bank and and you're ab- absolutely mm-hmm. right. They're afraid too, just like the lawyers are. They're afraid to get, you know, go into the compliance. You know, they, they get they're highly regulated. I heard today that they they're they're taking off some of the regulation, not in crypto, but in just the world uh, today, I, uh, as it relates to uh, compliance for under like five billion or something. So they're trying to loosen it up. But the other thing is, is they're afraid to be the first ones into the into this space because they always think they're going to get whacked by the by you know you know the uh the governmental uh auditors that come in. So I get their pain and you know with crypto especially that's sort of the way that, that the government's been able to uh prevent you know crypto from expanding very rapidly in the US I think that's part of the part of the way and part of the, the you know the blockade or the obstacle.
5: But yeah. but Phil, I thought they were too big to fail. So they're scared oh my- of uh slapping on the wrist now? I thought they were too yeah. big to- <laughs> I thought they were too big to fail.
4: I don't know. Hey, Anyways, you're giving, you're giving me a lot of material for my own presentations, man. I, I, I love it. I love it. What are they so scared of <laughs> if
5: they're just going to get slapped on the wrist? I mean, I've been slapped on the wrist and I've had my butt whooped before. I'd rather yeah. be slapped on the wrist, to tell you the truth. Right. Uh, but,
4: uh, yeah. And that's a funny point, too, is, is that you've got a competing interest here, obviously. The bank, the the bank is uh, the banks are competing with crypto, obviously now too. Is is why do they want somebody to come through? Um, why do they want some people to come through and invest in crypto when you know USD is what they want money to come in and out of their their bank? So you know, it's it's definitely a you know this is more of a philosophical and political discussion. But do you really? Uh, do I really want crypto if I'm a bank? I want the blockchain, you know, but do I want crypto? You know, is that going to affect? Affect us, and you guys can speak about that more than even I can.
3: Well, and I think the banks need to be a little bit more forward-thinking about the, the model that's changing. Think about what Robinhood's doing. So yeah. Robinhood's going to be bringing on, a, you know, thousands of customers that can buy and sell crypto. They're going to try to do it with no commissions. So why would you keep your money? I mean, you just slowly, as time goes on, there's less and less reasons to even need to have, you know, used to maybe have four different banks you bank with or, you know, credit cards across different banking institutions. And then now it's just, there's less and less reasons to even go to the bank. Um, and I think these brokers, these brokerage houses have a lot of opportunity to take a lot of that float or the the cash business away from, you know, a traditional bank that's there to supposedly lend, <laughs> you know, write checks. But I see, I see people leaving more cash inside of uh, a brokerage like Robinhood or as we build out Rhythm and, hey, I can do my trading right there. Uh, if I want to be in actual U.S. dollars or on the FX side, you know, I could do that there. And then you're literally just moving your assets between where you want to where you want to be. If you want to be long bonds, you want to be long dollars, you want to be long Bitcoin. And I think that's where the opportunity is. I think a lot of these banks are just going <clears> to <throat> miss the
4: boat. Yep. No, they are. I've got two more don'ts, uh, Dimitri. Can I give those?
5: Yeah, go for it. <laughs> uh,
4: Jason always inspires me with his comments, so – here, here's the other don't, and this is non-legal. Don't leave your money on the exchange. <laughs> Put it on your own wallet, you know, which is a very critical, critical piece. And uh, as soon as you leave it on the exchange, that's where all the hacking goes. Um, the other thing, which is an interesting thing, so now we've filed one lawsuit. I'm going to be filing a second lawsuit in the crypto, crypto uh, world in the next uh, couple, couple days, is the idea of investing other people's money without disclosing the risks, okay? Let's say by way of example, this is all public now, so I take my money and I give, or I take my, uh, I don't know, Enigma, use used that before. I take my Enigma and I, uh, I, I use it to buy Bitcoin, okay? But I tell somebody else that I'm going to use that money to buy, uh, sorry, let me start again. I have the Enigma. Someone says, here, here's some Enigma. Please invest it. And get me some Bitcoin. I instead invested in an Ethereum, and Bitcoin goes up in value, and Ether goes down in value. Have I caused a problem? You know, it, have have I have I now acted in an improper fa- fashion? Have I breached my fiduciary duty? Or what's let's say I invest in Ethereum and it drops. You know, did I disclose it to my friend that that the money was dropping? So the point is, is that. Every transaction that we do in crypto, even though it's not regulated, still may lead to potential litigation. That's why every time you act in the crypto world, why not call somebody? I give free advice all the time, you know, based on just simple questions. So, I mean, that's a real important feature. So, I don't know if that made sense, but, you know, that's another don't, is is, is don't act yeah. uh, before you ask.
3: That's Yeah, easy. the fiduciary stuff is definitely where there seems to be a lot of we kind of see it in our community there's there's some people that want to help their friends and family invest and they don't they don't even know or they don't have the professional background they don't know if they what an r i a is they don't know if they should if they have to be licensed it's you know we do kind of need to leave that to the professionals and that's What's interesting just- though that you guys
5: you guys have some litigation going on with that, yeah. You're giving some golden uh, golden eggs to the listeners today, Phil. So thank you very much. Oh, yeah. uh, my
4: pleasure. More to come whenever you need it, my friend.
0: So um, speaking back to the professionals, you guys' firm, uh, what kind of clients do you guys focus on? Or do you guys still actively look for clients? Or?
4: Yeah, absolutely. So so I, I actually started uh, – I made a, a, a flow chart of what, how many clients we have in the space and the type of clients. And I showed it to my team, and they they uh, they all left the room because there's too many different things going on. So we have <laughs> we're, we're we're obviously in the ICO space. You know, tr- we're trying to bring our clients to uh, you know to uh, uh, you know a, a compliant ICO. We're now interacting with litigation in a couple matters. We're interacting with the regulatory bodies. We represent kiosks. We represent mining companies. We represent people that are trying to create the infrastructure for for mining companies. Um, we, uh, you know, we've been dealing with people that interact in arbitrage or trying to, you know, and, and the most important thing that we do is we set up structure for whatever entity that comes in. Um, so we, we'll form them in Delaware to make sure that they're protecting the United States. If they have to do be a foreign entity, we can set up a foreign entity for them. Um, we deal with international accountants that advise our clients, other international attorneys. We have relationships overseas. Obviously, we have all sorts of connections in, uh, you know, in this particular location. But the first point of any time you're going to be operating in the space is just to get advice to make sure that you have a structure moving forward. It's not that expensive. It doesn't take that much time, but it, it at least gets you the, the roadmap to a future uh, in the space.
5: Mm-hmm. that's great advice well I think, I think it's been a very educational show uh, for those of you that are listening um, yeah, absolutely. I, I guess we can wrap it up and, and summarize some of this and that is uh, one uh, you might go to jail two that means you should get guidance on, on how you act in the space and what you do in the space uh, three, there's professionals now entering the space and not just coders that are amped up on uh, low-sugar monster energy drinks, <laughs> right? There's <laughs> different professionals available, so seek out advice. Phil being probably where you should go to. <laughs> I'm just, just throwing that out there. Uh,
3: well said, Demetri.
5: You can... Uh, what else? There's another... the Justice League, cheesy or not. If you're good at building teams and, you, and then second that, you're good at building teams of professionals, get that team together, get in contact with a regulator, educate that regulator, all right? That seems like a three-step process. I'm pretty sure there's lots of micro steps in there, but it seems like that's something you should do if you're good at those things. So do you guys have anything else that you want to add?
4: No, it was a great, great summation. I really enjoyed this. Hopefully, we can do it again in the, in the future.
3: Yeah, absolutely, Phil. Thanks for coming on. I mean, I could, I could spend hours with you, and we you know that uh, <laughs> phones <are> ringing <laughs> off the hook. So, always lots of questions regarding, hey, I want, how do I set this up for my business, or you know, I, I need help with this. Or, what does you think on the trading side, and so. We'll definitely be having you on more. So, appreciate the time, partner.
4: All right. Good to see you guys.
3: And then, Dimitrik, I guess we'll really uh, fire up more of the uh, trading
5: come Thursday, huh? Yeah. We'll get. So, yeah, for the listeners, uh, we've had a show about mining. Uh had some miners on now. We got, went touching into the legal side of things. Uh, we'll get right back into the trading because we know that's what you love uh, on Thursday. I'll give you some market news little bit of uh analysis on some some tokens that we want to highlight alec you got tokens in mind
0: not uh not in mind right now but we'll uh we'll we'll take a look these next few days see what's moving
5: all right